This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You could now subscribe and save 20% with a Strava Craft Coffee subscription. We know a bunch of you have taken advantage of the one-time code, and you can now save 20% off your favorite coffee forever, and you'll never have to put your credit card info in again. I saw a little preview of my guy Zach here. I think he's already uh, sipping on some Strava Craft Coffee this morning. I, uh, you know, I had to mainline my coffee right as I got out of bed to be able to do a, a show this early. Of course, we're going early uh, because uh, the Broncos are doing some early media availability today. So figure we get the live pod in nice and early. And uh, when you're getting up early to do your work, you got to have your Strava Craft coffee. So when you subscribe, you can choose to have it delivered to your door every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks. Never have to worry about putting in your credit card info. Never have to worry about, you know, running down to the store because you ran out of coffee when you weren't expecting to. Uh, make sure you check them out. And if you just want to try them out one time before you commit to subscribing, you can, of course, use the code DNVR20 uh, to check them out. So check out Strava Craft Coffee. Get that rich, tasty CBD-infused coffee in your life today. Welcome in to the DNBR Broncos podcast on a Friday. If you're up early riding with us, we appreciate you very much on the live side of things. Of course, if you're listening on podcasts, you can listen whenever you want. Uh, of course, the DNBR Broncos podcast every day is presented by MSU Denver Online. Make sure you check out MSU Denver Online, where you can make money and work while earning your degree. MSU Denver Students can tell you all about that because they work double the hours while taking classes than any other institution in Colorado. MSU Denver puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to choose between earning a degree and living your life. So check out msudenver.edu slash online today and scope out all they have to offer. My boy, Ryan, what's up? Happy Friday, man. This feels good right now. Uh, got the Hawaiian shirt going on today, but Ryan, I got to say, I feel like I'm honoring Andy Reid wearing it, and that's certainly not the vibe I'm going for. So, you know, I actually, I appreciate that you skipped on the Hawaiian shirt today. Wow, yeah. Uh, you, you shouldn't have admitted that because not <laughs> only is it a, a Hawaiian shirt, which she enjoys a lot, um, he it's also kind of red and yellow. Kind of oh scene. boy, I didn't even think about the uh, <laughs> I didn't even think about the colors. No, no yellow, thankfully. But I mean, I, I can't 
deny that there's a lot of red in it. Wow. I mean, I put the, I put the shirt on this morning, and then all of this it hit my mind. And what am I doing? I should have changed. Yeah, that's a tough scene. But I will say this, uh, Zach. I a lot of times going into these Chiefs games, I've been decently confident uh, about the Broncos' chances, and that certainly hasn't worked out for them. Uh, obviously, what is it now? They've lost nine or eleven. Ten. Seven, ten. Okay, somewhere in between. <laughs> what I thought. Uh, they've lost ten in a row, and. I feel like I've been generally confident in most of those games. Um, and that didn't work. Um, and you certainly weren't wearing Chiefs colored uh, <laughs> Hawaiian shirts uh, for any of those. And that wasn't working. So, you know what? Uh, we're reached, we've reached a point now where, you know, might as well uh, change up the juju and try something new. Um, so that's where, that's where I'm at with this because – there's not that many um, – it's hard to find positive takes about the way this game could go or should go, uh, and, and, you know, the whole world is expecting it to go. Yeah, no, there's not. So, Ryan, we're, we're, uh, we're not certainly not pulling for the Chiefs, but we're on the Chiefs' side and in hopes that it, you know, flips the juju around. Ryan, for a second straight week, the Broncos are the biggest underdogs in the NFL. Of course, last week because of absolutely insane circumstances. And then this week, just because the Chiefs are the Chiefs and uh, people just don't think the Broncos are that good. What are we talking about? A two-touchdown underdog this week i mean that that's floating into college territory in terms of those lines that the last i saw on DraftKings sportsbook just a couple minutes ago was 13 and a half so not the full two touchdowns but ryan no one is giving the broncos a shot in this one yeah i really don't think uh they are and i think we have our guy mace back with us so let's see if we can bring him in here um he is also participating in a little bit of a Hawaiian shirt Friday here. Allie, can you bring in uh, bring in Mace? There he is. What's up? What's up Mace? Hey, let's try something different because my computer's not working, so we're trying the iPad. You know what? The next item in the DMVR locker, maybe not the next one, but at some point, needs to be a DMVR Aloha shirt. Oh, I thought it was going to uh, – you were going to say it needs to be a shirt that says, screw this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been saying that a lot in the last uh, in the last 15 minutes or so, trying to get this going. So, <laughs> screw this. Screw this. Screw this. Well, we've got, we got <laughs> you back with us now, and you look uh, crystal clear. And your Hawaiian shirt uh, has a lot less red than Zach's, although you are also not uh, – not um innocent here <laughs> this is this is specifically a holiday aloha shirt i have two of them so you'll see this one today you'll probably see the other one next week leading into the carolina game maybe i'll rotate one back in the following week so i am i'm prepared for this endeavor Ma and i'm prepared to be festive with my aloha mace is very committed to calling it an aloha shirt <laughs> uh, i just don't think i'll ever convert oh <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you guys were talking about the, uh, I mean, the, the point spreads and uh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it is what it is. I mean, it reflects the way the Broncos are playing. It reflects the way the chiefs are playing, but it, it's also fascinating guys. I put this out on Twitter yesterday that in the last two seasons, the Vic Fangio era, the only teams that have been underdogs of any level more often than the Broncos are the Bengals and the football team. 
that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's very bad. Uh, and, you know, these stats just start to line up and, and pile up and take a toll on fans. And I totally understand it. And I get where everyone's coming from. A lot of people are really upset and running the and it leads me to where I want to set the expectations for this game uh, because I, I got to be honest, guys. I'm super worried about the way that people are going to react uh, to this game when, you know, uh, when what, ha- what I think is going to happen happens. Uh, and that is I just don't think Broncos have a shot this weekend. Um, and I think that it, if people aren't expecting them to win and change their expectations to something else, uh, there might be a little bit better chance of less meltdowns uh, from Broncos fans. So the question in the headline is, is what constitutes a successful game for the Broncos against the Chiefs? And to be honest, it's crazy to say this in the NFL because I, I don't really think you can have moral victories in the NFL. But I think there is a, a path to success without victory just if we're being realistic and honest here uh and to me it's it's keeping it close uh it's having a clean performance without you know turnovers on the offensive side of the ball without ugly special teams miscues all of those things uh and, and i think if you are competitive in the fourth quarter of this game i have a hard time seeing how i would leave that game uh, being extremely disappointed in the Broncos. Guys, is this the first time that we've ever talked about a moral victory, like going into a game? And because you're right, Ryan, that's not something that you talk about in the NFL. You know, that's something that you talk about when Chattanooga is playing Alabama and they're 63-point underdogs or something, and and you say, okay, well, if they keep it to 55, we'll be happy with that. <laughs> uh, but that's that's just where we are. So you're right. I think it is smart to set expectations, realistic expectations going into this game. And for me, a successful game is where both teams score in the 20s. Okay, with no backdoor cover. So let's say Chiefs 29, Broncos 20, uh, but it's not because the Broncos score a last second touchdown to get to 20. Uh, you know, obviously anything else in there, you know, 24, 23 would be would be very successful. But if you keep the Chiefs under 30, it's a win. And where this Broncos offense is, if they're able to score 20, then I'm going to say, okay, you know, ha- happy enough with, with this game. That means they will cover the spread. And likely it'll be a one score game. But again, if it's 29 to 20, uh, you know, you're not thrilled with it, but you're saying defense did their job, you know, against the Chiefs and the offense did not enough to win, but, you know, they weren't terrible. Well, it's interesting. Literally, guys, the Broncos have never straight up won a regular season game. Not since 1978, which is as far back as the records on pro football reference go. They have not won since then as a straight up un, straight up as an underdog of 10 or more. They won in the Super Bowl as an 11-point underdog over Green Bay back in January of 98, and they won a, a strike game in 87. So I should say, okay, non-strike game. So in all those, in all those other contests, guys, they're 0-12, including last week. How crazy is that? Or First of all, th- that they haven't pulled off an upset like that, yeah. which you feel like happens all over the place all the time. Um, but more importantly, that... <laughs> They were 11-point underdogs in a Super Bowl. Like, 
Think about that. Just a field goal different from this, the gap that we're talking about right mm-hmm. now. Like, what a just a god awful line. Honestly, I'm putting that one <laughs> on the odds makers. Just a terrible, terrible line. Like, think about that. Think about the gap that we're talking about right now. We're talking about the Broncos and the Chiefs being in two different stratospheres, or at least that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, but you have to understand the era. It was a time when the the NFC going into that had won every Super Bowl from Super Bowl 19 to Super Bowl 31. So the NFC had that 13-game winning streak, and even though clearly the Broncos were a very good team and had been 13-3 and the year before, they looked at that the, there was still that thought that the NFC is better than the AFC, much better. So that's why that that line was what it was. And I, I don't think – I don't think we'll see a Super Bowl that looks like that where you have a 13-3 and team that's an 11-point favorite over a 12-point team. I digress, but let's face it. That's more fun than talking about the possibilities of this game. I mean, you guys, and I'm sure other people are saying, moral victory. Is This, this is what Bron- the Broncos have become? Yes. Settling right. for a moral victory? How, right. You know, we've, t- we've talked a lot about ownership and Pat Bowen. How would Pat Bowen feel about a moral victory? he would probably respond with some expletives under his breath about the notion of a moral victory. Real quick, I, I can't get past this 11-point line in the Super Bowl. Uh, some, <laughs> some teams, some teams that are double-digit favorites this week. I just want you to understand the gap that they thought there was in that game. Um, the Minnesota Vikings, who are a good football team, taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars with Mike Glennon as their quarterback. That's a 10-point game. That's less. Um, the Miami Dolphins taking on the Cincinnati Bengals with Brandon Allen as their quarterback. That's 11 and a half. The New York Giants without Daniel Jones going to Seattle to take on Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. They're 10 point underdogs. Like, think about these gaps. Those that's ridiculous, anyways. Okay, that that is ridiculous, and it's also ridiculous that you know we're talking that, like Mesa, we're talking about moral victories, and that the Broncos are even even a bigger spread than all those teams you just mentioned, Ryan. Yeah, it's it's really crazy. Uh, and yeah, the Broncos are the biggest, uh, biggest underdogs of the week in the NFL. Uh, and it's uh, it's gotten to this point. Like it just is. It's here. Uh, no one wants to uh, wants it to be here. No one likes that it's here. Um, but you know, on top of the fact that the Chiefs are really good and the Broncos just aren't, I think the biggest reason why this spread is so big is because in the Vic Fangio era specifically, the Chiefs have done nothing but blow out the Broncos. Um, not, and I'm not talking like. 14-point blowouts. I'm talking like blow the doors off, no chance at any point type blowouts. In the same era of Vic Fangio is also when the Chiefs have a new defensive coordinator. Steve Spagnola has had the Broncos number. Guys, in the three games that the Broncos have played the Chiefs in the Vic Fangio era, the Broncos have 25 points. Total. That wouldn't have won any of those games, would it? No, no, it, it wouldn't have. And it's probably not even going to win this game. Uh, so that's just why I'm saying if they score 20, you know, that that's kind of a success on offense because it would almost uh, equate to the amount of points they had in the past three games. Yeah, it's mm. – I mean, there's a reason you haven't heard us breaking down the matchups in this game a lot this week. It's it's not <laughs> – it's just not a fun path to go down. Now, we're at Friday, so we got to talk about the game. Uh, but it, it's – 
I, it's very difficult to paint any sort of picture about how the Broncos are going to win this game. Now, are we talking about the National Football League where all these guys are professional players and crazy things happen all the time? Yes, I will not tell you that there I'll, – I'll tell you that there is a less – or there is a greater than zero chance that the Broncos actually do win this game. It's just very low. It's very low. Uh, and for me, when I, when I think about what's successful, I do think about this being a competitive game all the way through. Uh, and then we have to get back to what the point of this whole season is. And that's Drew Locke. Uh, and Drew has been specifically pretty bad against the Chiefs uh, in his opportunities against them, the two opportunities that he's had. Now, one was in a blizzard. Uh, and, you know, I've constantly said I want to throw that game tape away. But as I also always say, the further you get away from a game, the less people remember the context. So um, no one really – like, people are, have already forgotten the context of that game. All they see is that he had a terrible game once against the Chiefs, and then he didn't play much better last time. He threw a pick six that was really the early nail in the coffin for the Broncos, that he cannot do anything like that this week. Um, he's got to take care of the football. He's got to put the Broncos in positions uh, to score points. He's got to make some really big plays, not just third down, scramble out, complete a six-yard pass on third and five, like get out of the pocket, unleash a bomb, score a 60-yard touchdown, things that we haven't seen from Drew Locke all year. Um, he's going to have to do some stuff like that if they're going to win, but I'm not – again, I don't think they're going to win. I want to see him play clean, just play a clean game. No turnovers, no, no really bad decisions, no throwing off your back foot because Chris Jones somehow came through the line untouched and sailing it into the hands of the safety. I just want to see him take care of his part of ma of not being a part of why the Broncos lose. If he can say, look, it's Patrick Mahomes on the other side. What did you guys want me to do? And it wasn't his fault that the Broncos lost. Uh, then I think that's a step in the right direction. And that's what we're looking for at this point. We're looking for steps in the right direction as Drew makes his way towards the end of this kind of test drive season. Okay, so all that you laid out is putting a lot on Drew Locke. Yet, the the way to stay in this game probably is on the ground and possessing the ball. Now, Drew Locke is involved with that. Drew's going to have to be accurate, but it may not involve uh, uncorking the deep ball unless it is to take advantage of the safeties creeping down closer into the box if you've established the run first. But, so, is that the kind... So, is it a case where maybe learning more about Drew Locke means going with a game plan that isn't necessarily the best, albeit narrow path to victory? I think well, so. Yeah, I, I think, you know, again, you don't want to put it on his shoulders. I just don't want him to have a negative impact on the outcome. So couldn't, um, couldn't the game ahead. be very similar to the Dolphins game a couple of weeks ago where yes. he, he was not the reason – you know, that the Broncos dominated the, the Dolphins, but he did nothing, uh, I guess, outside of the one interception. He did nothing to, to hurt the Broncos' chances. He was a true game manager there. Yeah, and yeah. the Broncos ran the hell out of the ball. And if you remember last time, uh, before Philip Lindsay took a helmet-to-helmet -helmet hit, he was ready to go off. Uh, and if that had happened, I think that, you know, you would have seen – maybe a different Drew Locke who just, you know, really needs to hand the ball to Philip, Philip Lindsay. I think Philip Lindsay had something like 80 yards in the first half uh, mm -hmm. before he was hurt. So 
that is the the path. You know, we might be looking back after this game saying, well, it was might have actually been a blessing in disguise that Drew Locke didn't have to play against the Saints because the Broncos got back to an opponent that they could run the ball against and they could go back to him, you know, kind of managing the game instead of having to convert third and eights, third and nines the whole game. He's in more favorable positions, which every offense wants to be in, third and threes, third and twos. Uh, and if that happens, I think Drew will hopefully be able to channel his inner game manager uh, and just say, all right, I just got to convert easy throws, uh, take what they're giving me, uh, and hand the ball off to Phil. Yeah, and strangely enough, that means this is also on the, on the defense and it's also on the special teams because you start right there. Go back to that kickoff return in the game back in October. If you're going to keep the game manageable and still in terms of the offensive game plan, you can't be giving away big shots. So, in other words, the defense has to pl- has to play well. You know, kind of like you know, a little bit like the game in Kansas City in the snow last year. I mean, it wasn't obviously it wasn't a win for the Broncos, but mostly the defense was having the Chiefs settle for field goals rather than touchdowns when they got inside the red zone, and that it, it that at least gave the Broncos a pulse for longer in that game than they otherwise would have had. So. So keep the you know let the Chiefs get their yards between the twenty yard lines. If they're settling for field goals, they're not pulling they're not pulling away, and you don't have to junk your game plan uh, early in the game like you have in some of these other games. And then the other thing is you just you can't you can't give away touchdowns uh, on special teams, and you can also you can't have a giveaway that results in a touchdown on the offensive side. You've got to you've got to play maybe boring ass football in this game so you can run your game plan all the way through and act and, and and keep the game within shouting distance so you don't have to start throwing the ball up 75 percent of the time well, mace you mentioned special teams and yesterday i know a lot of people had some fun with this quote from tom mcmahon he said if we're gonna win this game we have to win special teams and uh that's what kind of everyone on twitter said we're not winning this game. <laughs> yeah. uh, I can't remember a time, any time. You know, I know it's happened, but I can't remember the last time the Broncos outplayed the Chiefs on special teams in a game against the Chiefs. No. I mean, it's so much so that the Broncos uh, almost hired the Chiefs special teams coordinator because of just how, how good that special teams unit is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And – that is, I mean, the Chiefs are full of speed and talent, and those things translate to special teams really, really well. They've got a kicker who's kicking the ball really well this season. Um, you know, I just think of these games. I remember long punt returns. I remember, you know, Brandon McManus missing a long field goal uh, in, in the frozen tundra in Denver. Like, there's a lot of uh, a lot of bad special teams I remember from Broncos Chiefs. Not a lot of good special teams that I remember from the Broncos side. So, in terms of, you know, this game, I think the one matchup that I do want to talk about is on Tyree Kill. Um, you saw what happened last week when you don't pay special attention to him. And you just kind of try to say, like, well, we'll just, you know, try to play straight up. If he beats us, he beats us. He'll beat you. And the Broncos don't have, you know, the guy that you would probably have trusted the most if you were going to try to go man on him at any point during this game was Bryce Callahan. Without Bryce Callahan, now I think you have to have a very special, very specific game plan to stop and slow down Tyreek Hill and almost 
the Chiefs did you a favor last week by showing you what happens when you don't do that. Doesn't A.J. Boye have to be on him the entire game? Because the drop-off from him is just a bunch of young guys, a ton of young guys. And I'm not saying just put A.J. Boye on him. I'm saying A.J. and safety help pretty much every time. Uh, because what, what what's it going to look like for Vic if Michael Ojemudi is getting just, you know, torched by him? Even if it's Bosby, you know, I, I love Bosby, but – People are going to say this is an inexperienced corner who hasn't played much this year. He's been cut multiple times, and he's going up against Ty. I mean, doesn't it have to be Boye? Uh, to <laughs> me, actually, no. The opposite is true. Um, I'm going pick your poison, any corner, and a safety over him at all times. So, you know, if you're going to double someone, you're going to have to single up somewhere else on the field. Uh, and I'd rather double – with lesser corners and single up with AJ Boye somewhere else. So you're going to single Travis Kelsey. That's the, uh, well, that's the problem. If you bring yes. safety, if you bring safety help over to take care of Tyreek, then you're guaranteeing one-on-one coverage for Travis Kelsey. And this is part of uh, the conundrum that dooms so many teams uh, against the chiefs. I mean, you know, the bucks last week, it was, it, you know, it let, let Tyreek Hill run free. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's not something that you want to do. I mean, it, bas- it basically cost them the upset right there. Yeah, You can get away with, um, and when I say get away with, I just mean you don't get yeah. blown out. Like you can get away with Travis Kelsey chunking you 10 to 20 yards at a time. It's Tyreek Hill chunking you 40 to hmm. 80 yards at a time. That really gets the game out of hand. So yeah, I mean, this is why the chiefs are the chiefs is you have to make these decisions every week, and no one uh, has the defensive personnel to cover all those guys. The one thing we've seen that allows you to cover those guys is with your pass rush because you you simply can't cover them for a long time, so you have to get pressure. Uh, and maybe the Broncos can generate some pressure this week to alleviate some of the pressure on that secondary, but it's a uh, – you know, there's a comment here that said this – this sounds like a 2013 Chiefs podcast talking about trying to stop the Broncos offense. It is. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where we're yeah. at here. It's a pick-your-poison scenario. And, and for me, my poison is, first of all, pray they run the ball uh, and invite them to do so at every opportunity you can. And then uh, try to take away Tyreek Hill and, uh, you know, uh, live with 10-yard catches to Travis Kelsey. Ryan, 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 you didn't learn from the first time the Broncos played the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes had one of his worst statistical games of the season, and the Chiefs won 43, scored 43 points. Now, I know 14 was from non-offense, but they still scored 29 points on offense. 29 uh, hits your number. It, it, it does. Mm. It, it, it does hit the number. But uh, in terms of winning, that's not good enough. And, uh, Ryan... I, I know me, it's not, but I'm not trying. I, I'm not. I'm not looking at the path for a win. I'm looking at the path to respectability. You know, I'm getting. I'm, I'm getting close to that game time, and like you said, you know, during the week, you know, the Buffs aren't going to win a game. Not this year, but in the past. Uh, and then game time comes, and you're saying, ah, they 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 have to win this game. They're going to. You know, I'm getting closer to game time, so I'm saying, how can the Broncos actually win? Uh, and uh, you can't let the Chiefs be two dimensional. You can't. You, you absolutely can't. And here's the thing is you're not going to, you're not going to take away Patrick Mahomes. So that means you have to take away the one aspect that you can. And that's the running game in Patrick Mahomes has lost nine games in his NFL career. And eight of those 
the Chiefs have been outrushed. In fact, they've been outrushed mm-hmm. so bad that the opponents have put up 166 rushing yards against them, while the Chiefs only have 79. So, I mean, they just get dominated on the ground. So, it's crazy as it is, and I can't believe I'm saying this for a second time this season. Make Patrick Mahomes beat you. Yeah, and the mm. comment here, these these are the expectations that I'm say that I'm hoping that people don't have because it's just it, that that doesn't set up very well in my opinion. Uh, and I don't think it's going to end up being a referendum on Drew Locke's uh, ability to be the quarterback or not, whether he can keep the Broncos competitive in this specific game. I just uh, I don't think that that's a that, uh, that's a, a formula for. Um, a good feeling if you're setting yourself up like that. No, it's it certainly isn't, uh, man. So, what's a successful game from Drew in terms of stats? Honestly, like I want to say as low as just zero turnovers, um, but he obviously has to do some other stuff above that. So, I'll say zero turnovers uh, and sixty percent or better completions. I'm not even getting into yards and touchdowns. Uh, I just want to see efficient play. Yeah, sixty percent. It's I know it's the baseline. I talk about it a lot. We mentioned it on here, but uh, I think that that that's the essential part of it. Sixty percent, and then like you said, no, no turnovers. I I hate to say it, but I want to see a game that at least starts with Drew Locke not beating the Broncos. Yeah, right, absolutely. And that's and then and then if you get that if you get that that means even though he did have the pick early against Miami, that's two games in a row that he's played where. He didn't beat you. And in fact, he made some key. He probably made some key throws along the way to, in this case, keep it respectable again against the Dolphins, uh, you know, basically get the offense going and set up the run a little bit. And then when you start facing Carol, Carolina, maybe much less Buffalo, but Carolina and the Chargers in two of the next three games, then you kind of say, okay, can we build on that here? Can we, can we take, just managing it and not losing into being a reason that we actually win the game. If you're the Broncos, I think that's what you're thinking. Good news here. Sunday night, Kansas City, 6 p.m. when they'll be kicking off or 7 p.m. Uh, only 40. Only 40. <laughs> you, know, you don't want to see it dip down into like 18 because then that's going to be no fun. 40, you can deal with. Yes, you, you certainly can. So we'll get to see what Drew can do, uh, you know, without any elements going up against uh, the Chiefs this weekend. And, guys, I want to see the, the game management and everything. Tell me if this is too greedy, though. I want to see him hit on one big play. That's not a mm-hmm. last-second play where he's mm-hmm. supposed to throw it out of bounds or something. Yeah, um, you might uh... – want to tune into my 58 yard field goal later (laughs) (laughs) right on hey if you get if you get the run game going and you get the play action game going i think you can hit that that big play that deep shot down the field to jerry judy or tim patrick it'll be there but you have to do other things beyond drew lock to make it happen speaking of predictions we are going to get to all of them on the podcast side of things, if you want to hear our final score predictions for not just this game, but our picks against the spread for the AFC West, tune in on the podcast side of things. Uh, you can download it anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll get to that. We'll get to all of our listener questions. We'd love if you hit us with a thumbs up if you're watching this on YouTube. We appreciate those. Those help other people dis- uh, discover us. And uh, if you want to subscribe to our YouTube channel, that would be helpful as well. But for now... It's going to wrap it up for us on the live side of things. Have a great weekend, guys, and we'll talk to you uh, after the game. All right, before we get to those AFC West and Broncos school predictions that I mentioned earlier, 
want to give a shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. You know what day it is. It's Breck Brew Friday, uh, which means you got to head down to your local liquor store or wherever you like to get your beers and pick up some Breck brews. Might I recommend the new Juice Drop IPA? Uh, I don't know how else to describe it other than to call it a gentle IPA. Uh, you know, sometimes you, 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 you have an IPA and it just punches you in the face. Not the Juice Drop. It, it uh, is a smooth, soft, gentle IPA. Ryan, we've had too many punches in the face in Broncos country this year. We, we need a little gentle pick-me-up, and that's what the Juice Drop does. Exactly, exactly. So use the Breck Brew locator to find out where uh, you might be able to get some Juice Drop. Uh, <clears throat> and also, if you're located in the Denver area, you can head down to the Breck Brew Farmhouse, where they've set up like a little winter wonderland for you to be able to drink some beers, get your kids out and active, uh, while still being safe and socially distant and outdoors. Uh, they've got an ice skating rink at the farmhouse. It's $3 to skate if you have your own skates or $6 with a rental. And they also have a tubing hill uh, for the kids to check out and, and uh, again, just, you know, get, get some of that energy out, which I'm sure they have plenty of right now. And you, you can sit down outside some hand, you know, with some fireplaces and hand warmers and all that stuff and, uh, and drink some ice cold beer. So check out Breck Brew. Maybe head down to the farmhouse or get some Breck Bruce today. Guys, check out our friends Mike and Virginia Chevalier over at Chevalier Mortgage. They're not only diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alums. Ryan, say it with me. Go Rams. But they're, they've supported DNVR as a longtime members of the DNP, DNVR community. They're part of our family. And they're a husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial services experiences. And they're in the mortgage industry to help all of you. So visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. And if you're interested in refinancing and you hear about all these rates out there, make sure to give them a call because there are some incredible rates and they can help you through the entire refinance process. And they're here to make that process simple for you. They can save you hundreds of dollars a month and thousands of dollars in interest over the life of the loan. And they can help people find out if they're able to reduce or eliminate their current mortgage insurance premiums, which save you tons of money as well. Maybe you want some equity in your house to do a large project or go back to school or maybe MSU Denver anyone or consolidate student loans they can help you with that and since it's not right for everyone Mike of Virginia will run a quick analysis and honestly let you know whether that's right for you so make sure to check them out dnvrmortgage.com that's Shivali A Mortgage and when you go to dnvrmortgage.com enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do and most importantly get set up with that free consultation to discuss all of your options Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006 Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. All right, first comment here coming in from May. Oh, wait. First, we got to do our predictions. All right, we got to be, we got to do, we got to be quick here because we are tight on time. All right, let's, let's go around the AFC West, guys. Raiders, eight and a half point favorites going into New York to face the Jets. Uh, Raiders, easy. Raiders yeah. should be easy. Yeah, Raiders, uh, they can't play that badly two weeks in a row. I think they'll. They'll have a bounce back. They'll win this one by, a, by at least 10 points. Patriots, one-point favorite going into L.A. to play the Chargers in the new stadium. Wow. Every part of the, uh, the, fo you know, the football analyst in me tells me that the Chargers should win this game. But 
we've been saying that about the Chargers for like 15 years. Um, <laughs> the Chargers find a way to lose this one uh, and buy enough for the Patriots to cover. Mace? Hey, the Chargers find ways to lose, and the Patriots, three of the last four outings, find ways to win. I got to go with New, New England in this one. Gosh, I think New England's going to win, but I'll take the Chargers just to go against you two guys. And then Fair. final one, Broncos Sunday night football going into Kansas City. 13 and a half point underdogs. Fellas, how does this unfold? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I don't have the Broncos covering this one. Um, I Like I said, you know, I, I've been trying to, to package it as softly as I possibly can here, but uh, – I don't have a good feeling about this one. I don't think really anything sets up in the favor of the Broncos. Uh, so I've got them um, not achieving either of your numbers, Zach, of keeping the Chiefs in the 20s and getting themselves into the 20s. And I, I honestly feel like I'm being a little um, a little homerish, even saying that I think the final score uh, is going to be 31 to 17, a uh, 14-point win for the Chiefs. Ryan, you took the words right out. Everything you said is how I feel. I just am going 34 to 16. And even then, I feel like it could be a lot worse than that. And so I don't have the Broncos covering the spread. Okay. I've got the backdoor cover, guys. Hey. Got the Broncos trailing 30 to 10 in the fourth quarter, getting a touchdown to make it 30 to 17 and just coming in one half point under that 13 and a half point spread. So. I'll take Denver. That would be the best, uh, <laughs> the best outcome of the last few uh, games against the Chiefs. So it, I guess we'll take it. And it would remind me of my high school days. Our high school team was terrible. The local paper would actually put like spreads, and they'd say like, you know, St. Petersburg, uh, you know, by ten, or Clearwater by fourteen. Well, my high school, St. Petersburg, is usually the underdog. And so we would actually – the, the, those of us that were in the stands would yell, beat the spread during <laughs> games. That would be the chance. Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at here. Um, you know what? We've never all three been this down on the Broncos' chances going into a Chiefs game. So maybe that's, that's the juju they need. That juju and also the Andy Reid Hawaiian shirt, I mean, we're, or Aloha shirt, as Mace would call it. Maybe we're just helping the Broncos in every way. Who knows? Uh, first one here from Manning's forehead. Oh, do you got something else to say, Mace? No, I was going to say I'm pretty sure I've seen Andy Reid at some point in a press conference wearing this exact shirt that I have on right now. So <laughs> There you go. <clears throat> Manning's forehead says, very proud to announce that I am in the top 0.01% of John Denver listeners on Spotify. Also, I listened to this pod for 26,000-plus minutes. If anyone knows where I could find a life, please let me know. I'm desperate. Well, I think your life is fantastic because I haven't heard of anyone that can beat 26,000. You should actually send me a screenshot of that as a DM or email it to me, ryan at thednvr.com. I, I got to see that for myself. Yeah, that is so freaking cool. Uh, and maybe you can find a life up in the Rocky Mountain highs. You guys get what I oh, did there? <laughs> yeah. nice. Nice. Think, think about that. Manning's forehead listens to our podcast for 71 minutes a day over the course of a year. That's yes. too freaking cool. That yeah. is um, – most podcasts don't even – 
come close to allowing you to do that. <laughs> Next one for Onion Town Links. If I could be a tree, I'd be a weeping willow so that little boys could rip off some of the branches and use them as whips on each other, which would be used to make me so happy when I was growing up in Wisconsin. My brother and I would go to the trees across the stream and we would peel two branches off and we discovered quickly that those branches are very flexible. We would crack them on each other and come running home with welts all over our butts. I miss those days. Interesting. Next time, I'll tell you about driving through cornfields in a golf cart so we could get whiplash from the stocks hitting us in the face, LOL. Have a good one, dudes. Links. Curious, interesting, say, fun times he has. Let me just say, if you like, uh, you know, uh, getting whipped in the butt and uh, hit in the face, uh, there is people out there for you if you ha if you if you're willing to pay for it. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, <laughs> and the, 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 these comments are the ones that listen past the hour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Next one coming in from Bronco Born Bronco Bread. Reposting from yesterday, my boys, past subscriber that resubscribed after lurking in the shadows all season, came back because I've been arguing with some buddies about Drew Locke. If you look at a general feeling on how he played in each of his past starts, this is how it plays out. 2019, good against the Chargers, great against Houston, horrible against Kansas City, solid against Detroit, solid against Oakland. This year, average against Tennessee, hurt against Pittsburgh. New England, good game. Stats were awful, but if you watched it, good game. I think we all agree with you there. Kansas yep. City, he was awful. Chargers, good. Atlanta, bad. Las Vegas, freaking awful. And Miami, good. I also have to say that we have to stop looking for the next Patrick Mahomes. It's so frustrating to hear you all talk about how Drew isn't the guy, but you all are putting him to a crazy standard. If we think that he is going to be at least an above average starter moving forward, we need to keep him. Elway has proved he can build, winner, build a winner around a decent quarterback. I think the floor for Drew is an average starter, and his ceiling is still decently high with some continuity. Can we please stop with this narrative that he is supposed to be as good as Mahomes and accept the fact that there are a lot more Baker Mayfields and Drew Locks than Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Sorry for the long comment, but been brewing on this for a while. P.S. RK, let's do a pizza bet on who finishes higher this season between the Mavs and the Nuggets. I wish uh, Drew Locke was Baker Mayfield right now. Uh, yeah, be, Baker's playing well. I'd be, I'd be ecstatic if you were Baker Mayfield. And I think, I mean, I don't think we've been talking about him being Patrick Mahomes. We've been talking about him being able to kind of go into a duel with Patrick Mahomes and be able to acquit himself well, sort of like Derek Carr is doing in Las Vegas right now. Nobody thinks Derek Carr is Patrick Mahomes, that he's on that level. But yeah. the fact is that he has become a quarterback who, if you get into a shootout, gives, gives the Raiders a chance to win that game. And, and I mean, I think, I mean, I, I keep coming back to in terms of a, a level of play. I think if Drew Locke hits the Matt Ryan level, he's a phenomenal success. And that's not the Patrick Mahomes level. Yeah. No, I, I mean, most level-headed folks aren't saying the Broncos need to find uh, the, the next Patrick Mahomes because that might not come for like 100 years. Yeah. Um, it might come next year. You never know. But if you're, you know, if you're searching for a needle in a haystack, you might be at it for a while. So um, you do need Drew to be good enough to keep the Broncos competitive. And, and right now I think the jury is still out. So uh, the interesting thing at this point, honestly, to me, is less about can Drew Locke be Patrick Mahomes or anything close to that, even Derek Carr, and more about can Drew Locke do enough to get another year? Like right. that's a very low bar compared yeah. to the bar that we're talking about here. It's can Drew Locke do enough that the Broncos say, let's run this back and try it one more time. 
Exactly. Totally agree. Next one from Ghost1385. I'm a couple days behind on the pod, so I don't know if anyone has asked this yet, but wouldn't the league be punishing a playoff-bound team? Or but or wouldn't the league be punishing a playoff-bound team by having them play a game without multiple starters be more impactful than doing that to a team like the Broncos? Seems like teams that we are going are teams that are going to make the playoffs have less reason to follow the protocols. Also, I loved watching the game on Sunday. We got to witness history, and I'm here for the chaos with the way the season has gone. At least it was less embarrassment than the Raiders' loss on the same day. Definitely less embarrassing than whatever the hell the Raiders did. Um, they raided. In terms of punishing, I don't, I'm not exactly sure where we're going with this. Um, you know, you could make an argument that the Ravens would be that team that was playoff bound and had to play without multiple starters. I think – you know, it's pretty clear that the NFL is doing anything and everything they can to avoid Week 18. The, 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 where I come down on them punishing the Broncos is that they very well could have pushed that game back. They're, you know, they, they could have done the Broncos a favor. Now, you know, Zach, you've, you've kind of laid it out as to why they didn't, um, because the Broncos didn't have enough positive tests, which is, uh, you know, an oxymoron to me almost. Like, the Broncos – had a it was a negative impact on the Broncos chances of winning the game that they didn't have enough positive tests what a joke yeah um, and I totally agree with you Ryan right but in the end you can actually point to reasons why it happened I think that the NFL would have been um more willing to give the Broncos a little bit of help if for whatever reason they didn't break protocols but they still did have the close contacts with Jeff Driscoll uh, and, you know, uh, they were going to be without their quarterbacks. They might have moved the game to Tuesday. But since they had evidence of wrongdoing, I think they, were, they decided, hey, we're going to put the hammer down here to send a message to all the other teams like the playoff team because we don't want to see a playoff team have to play without a quarterback. Yeah, but do you really think that if the Broncos were a playoff team, they would have punished them in that way? And that's – or a playoff contending team. And I don't think so, no. I don't think so either. But what is interesting is if they're concerned about, about – uh, the le- about the level of the team saying, okay, well, we don't want, if we don't want this to have a huge impact on a team contending for the playoffs. Well, you had another team that was in the playoff mix in the saints. And so maybe you're not concerned about the Broncos, but congratulations. You hurt Seattle. You hurt the Rams. You hurt the Packers because yeah. the saints got a free dub. For sure. Yeah. It, it was easily a free dub. Next one here from Casper. Fellas. It seems to me that if Von Miller does play again this year, he will need to practice on Wednesday. I'm sure the Broncos will, will give him close to three weeks to get his conditioning back. It wouldn't make sense to bring him back to, for one game unless it will be a farewell type of thing. Oh, uh, Although with no fans, that would be weird. Two or three games would be worth it, and maybe they can upset KC this week and have playoffs in reach if he comes back. How say you? <laughs> well, I, I love that uh, dreaming going into the weekend. But I think you're absolutely right about him practicing. Maybe not Wednesday, but he needs to be back on the practice field and medically cleared next week, and he was not medically cleared this week. Yeah, I think the key thing will be if we see him out there at least uh, working his way back uh, next week heading into Carolina, then you can say, all right, he takes uh, – maybe he takes two weeks to get up to speed and you get him back for those final two games against the Chargers and Raiders. If he's not out there next week, it looks like a long shot. I got to say, why? Yep. yep. <laughs> like, I get it from Von Miller's perspective. He's a competitor. He is a football player. He wants to play football. If I'm the Broncos, I'm saying, Von, we love you. We appreciate your 
grind to want to get back this season. It makes no sense for us to put you out there uh, and even bring you back to practice right now when you're this banged up. There's yeah. one reason why, I think. And that's with significant injuries, you hear guys talk often about how they have to trust themselves on the injured knee, the injured foot, whatever, and know that they're all the way back. And if you did get him out there, then it would allow him to get past that moment of trust of trusting his foot. It would allow him to get past it right now. And then he could plow ahead with his normal off season and be ready for 2021. That's yeah, the, th that's the only reason. I think if he comes back, it is purely because of him wanting to show the Broncos and potentially other teams that he still has a get off. He still has a pop. He's still the Von Miller because I do think, even though he doesn't want to talk about it, I do think he knows that his future may be in jeopardy after this season. Yeah, I think you're right in the sense that it would just be for him because yeah. from an organizational standpoint for the Broncos, it makes no sense. Just the way it doesn't make sense to bring Bryce Callahan back. I totally agree. Onion booty Bronco. How many grounded first-team billionaires do you know of? I'm Team Brittany. Team carry on the Pat Bolin legacy. Would rather not take my chances on the billionaire cesspool, unless we're talking someone like uh, uh, Gates or Peyton Manning-led group. Maybe Kylie Jenner is interested in owning an NFL franchise. That last part was a joke. P.S. Is Honey Boo Boo a billionaire yet? Love, onion, booty. <laughs> Yeah, well, sometimes it feels like uh, some of these kids are as mature as Honey Boo Boo. Um, <laughs> with that being said, Brittany is not one of those people that I'm talking about. Um, I but, think do you, that but do you really want a scenario where Johnny Bolin owns, uh, you know, owns anywhere from 9 to 15% of the franchise? It'd be interesting. <laughs> I, I don't even <laughs> want to go down that road. Um, I, I do, Also, like, do you want – a scenario where Johnny Bolin has, you know, uh, one-seventh of $3 billion. <laughs> now, that would be very interesting. <laughs> um, that, that actually sounds like the plot of a reality show. Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, anyways, I can understand, like, the fear of uh, bringing in an, a new person. Like, the Broncos, for so long, were under the best ownership you could ask for. And you just never know with these guys. Sometimes you have a billionaire like Steve Ballmer, who like it's a toy to him, a billion dollar toy. Um, and that's what you love. Uh, you know, Mark Cuban is a competitor. He likes winning like in every day of his life. He's just looking for wins. And for me, um, you know, that's the dream. But there are also people who are just using these franchises to milk the profits that they can get out of them. And that is terrifying because if you get stuck with an owner like that, God knows how long you could be stuck with them. So I get it. I understand the idea of wanting to, um, to keep the, the team in the Bolin family because you know uh, that, you know, they're going to want to uphold their father's legacy of, of really making winning first. But at the same time, I just don't know if the Bolins have the resources anymore to be able to put out a team like that. Well, the funny thing is you talk, you know, you want an owner that is invested and wants to win, but you also want an owner that knows how to go about doing it. Like let's take a look at Washington, for example. And when the team was sold from the estate of the late Jack Kent cook to Daniel Snyder, Snyder is clearly passionate about that team. Lifelong fan. I mean, it's in his blood and has 
has cynically tried to find every revenue stream. I encourage everybody to Google the cranky, uh, the old Washington football team uh, fan guide to Dan Snyder. Just Google the cranky fan guide to Dan Snyder and you'll find it. And you'll see all the ways that he's, he's had missteps, all the malfeasance, even just through his first 10 years. But there you have somebody who wants to win, uh, knows how to make money, but, obviously has no clue how to step aside and let his, and let his people do their job. And that's, that's the fear I have is that you, if you do sell, you end up with another Dan Snyder. That being said, I think with the owners we've seen come into the league over the last 20 years, Snyder is the exception, not the rule. Uh, real quick. I wanted to go back to another comment who uh, I think it was Bronco born Bronco bread, who was the Mavs fan. Why don't we just do pizza bet on the, uh, the head to head matchups between the Nuggets and Mavs this year? I think, It'll at least be two, if not three, uh, and then we, you know, we'll we'll get that uh, settled head to head. Uh, anyways, from oh, next one here is for you, Mace. Oh yes, it's from Count Locula. Bum talk Friday. Ah, uh, just a little lesson in word origin today, my boys. Oh, I should let you say that, Zach. My apologies. <laughs> Bum noun. Buttocks. Late fourteen C. Probably onomatopoeic to be compared with other words of similar sound and with a general sense of protuberance and swelling. Love the count. Wow. wow. All I took from that was something about buttocks swelling. That's very interesting. Well, the problem is when you see that, when you see the word buttocks, you think of, uh, or but, buttocks or buttocks, you think of Forrest Gump when he goes up to uh, Lyndon Johnson and says that he was shot in the buttocks. <laughs> and, and LBJ is like, that's quite a sight. Don't mind seeing that. Uh, next one's for you too, Mace. Oh, one more tip about Fridays. Not content to allow the fashion trend to be restricted to surfers, tourists, and government officials, the Hawaii Fashion Guild launched Aloha Friday in 1966 to promote wearing Aloha shirts in lieu of formal attire at all places of business. By 1970, thanks to its in part, thanks in part to its adoption by the president of the Bank of Hawaii, Aloha shirts became acceptable as official businesswear in Hawaii on any day of the week. Love the count. Wow, that is amazing. And of course, the count doesn't call them Hawaiian shirts. Of course, he's on the same track as Mason calls them Aloha shirts. <laughs> I, I thought that's uh, what they were. No, no, I I, I'm al- not saying it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I say aloha to that, and I mean the one that means goodbye, not hello. <laughs> the Wikipedia page, guys, says aloha shirt. Yeah. <laughs> the generational thing. <laughs> You're showing oh. your age here, Mace. <laughs> see, I thought, I thought, I, see, I thought the aloha shirt, it's the younger term, as, for example, we've learned in the last 15 years that you put an apostrophe between the two eyes of Hawaii to represent kind of the glottal stop that you have when you say the word and, uh, and that we're calling it an Aloha shirt because we know now that's the term and uh, not just calling it a Hawaiian shirt. I thought the Aloha shirt is what the younger people were saying. I guess I don't oh. have my read on youth culture. Aloha <laughs> is more woke is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Aloha is woke. <laughs> i'll have to take that into account uh from vr though last time i was lucky enough to go the last this time last year i was lucky enough to go to drew Locke's first nfl start as a california broncos fan is not often that i get to make the trip out to denver for a game they're tailgating with my girls family i got to meet a well-known broncos fan that i had seen on broadcast before known as mo man 
He could be seen wearing crazy things, orange hair, and an orange Broncos jersey with number 69 and Mo Man on the back. Found out from my girlfriend earlier this year oh, that Mo Man has passed. Mile high salute to Mo Man. I hope Drew and the Broncos can give the Chiefs hell this week. Well, yes, uh, always hate to find out about losing someone from the Broncos country family. So uh, RIP Mo Man, and, uh, and uh, yeah. thanks for sharing uh, VR, though. Yeah, and a mile high salute to, uh, to, to all of you. Next one from Hip Hip U Ray. Greetings, gents. After listening to the podcast, I began to ponder what the connection between the Broncos and the city of Denver is. Does the city of Denver and the surrounding community have any responsibilities to the franchise, i.e. taxes, county revenues, etc.? And does the ownership have responsibility that they need to fulfill to the city? Hope you guys can answer this one for me. Happy Bum Talk Friday, y'all. Go Broncos, go DNVR, and let's go Nuggets. Nice. Well, the stadium itself was, uh, was built as a result of a bond issue that was on the ballots of, uh, of six, of six counties in the, in the area. That's the, and that represents the metropolitan football uh, stadium district. So you had six counties uh, that, that voted in, in total, it was 51% of the voters that passed the, the bill to finance the stadium. So really it, it's basically the entire def, the Denver metropolitan area that is involved with this, not just the city of Denver. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Before we move on, we got to give a shout out to WGT, where this weekend you can play in the Elf on the Shelf shootout, which great name by the uh, the DNVR golf boys there. Um, I actually had to Google what an Elf on the Shelf was. Um, (laughs) I, I, I guess that tradition wasn't in my family. Did either of your families do the Elf on the Shelf? Oh, I thought it was a new thing. I, has no, this been around no. for a really? long-standing thing? Oh, yeah. wow. No, I thought this was like five years old. That's why I didn't know about it. Right, Mace? This is a, this is a long-time thing that's been going on for a while. Uh, the book, The Elf on the Shelf, came out in 2005. Okay. okay okay so i'm still I mean, thinking it goes back further than that <laughs> yeah we and 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 we we have it uh we have it here although uh, i should take a picture of this our elf is currently in two-week quarantine so is in a little bit like is in like a is in a box and then actually we're just a, we're just a few days out from uh being being able to uh to have the elf which is named rose uh that's charlotte's elf is rose uh have her uh, out and about and around the house Nice. Can't wait for the Rose unveiling. Oh, 2020. Although I I imagine that when Rose comes out of uh, quarantine, she will be wearing masks. I I feel much better about this now. Um, It has gotten more famous in the 2000s, but uh, the Elf on the Shelf idea dates back to uh, a tradition in Georgia in the 1970s. Mm. Oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah. Um, So I did not know uh, that. Anyways, Elf on the Shelf shootout this week uh, on WGT. You can download the app via dnvrgolf.com to get in there. And then check the country club section and join the DNVR4, no spaces, all caps, uh, country club to get in. You can play along with us. These tournaments are really quick. Uh, we, we do the, um, the closest to the hole. So there's no putting, which is actually the hardest part of the game. Uh, you just got to swing the club, try and get it close. And then you move on to the next hole and do it again. Uh, it's pretty fun. And all you got to do is play to be entered. Send a screenshot to info at dnvr.com or uh, tweet it at us in the thread 
uh, about the tournament. Really easy to get in, and you get entered to win a prize every week. Uh, and at the end of it, there's going to be a grand prize drawing with some sick, sick prizes. Uh, guys, do, does the elf on the shelf bring candy or anything, like drop candy from the shelf or anything like that? Mm-mm. No. Just moves around. The the elf uh, on the shelf moves around uh, and uh, and sits and uh, and watches the house and more importantly uh, watches uh, the children in the house to uh, make sure they're being uh, nice and not naughty. It sounds like a terrible thing to have then if there's no candy involved or anything like that. Maybe I was thinking of the Easter Bunny that you know brings candy. And regardless, though, it's the holiday season. There's candy around, and you'll need to make sure that you check out Green Mountain Dental. Uh, the elf on the shelf is probably going to be watching to make sure that you're taking care of your teeth. And Green Mountain Dental will be the best place to take care of your teeth. Guys, we've had so many of you guys go over to Green Mountain Dental and have a great experience and tell us about it. And they tell you guys exactly what, what we've been telling you, that they treat you just like family. In fact, our sales director, Lindsay, had her wisdom teeth removed to Green Mountain earlier this year. Uh, and the dentist called her to personally check up on her a few days later that is the kind of customer service and care that they have for you. So make sure to check out Green Mountain Dental. Schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Oh, we just That's lost a... your audio there, Zach. <laughs> oh, no. My back? Still can't hear you. No. I'll tell you what. If you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental Group, you'll get, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. <laughs> All right, next one here is from Orange and Blue Ozzy. As we sit here and during another losing season, I ponder why. So many things, but I won't want to discuss them all, as it is easy to uh, create a massive long post that if you do. Uh, so let's focus on our GM. Many have been calling for his head for years. Can't draft a QB and many draft failures. I can't argue uh, that the poor drafts when we were good have come back to haunt us. But Elway has improved in drafting. I'll give him that. My concern is free agency. We keep losing players who know winning and signing players from teams that have had losing records for years, and the player was there. There were some comments about the culture – early in the year from Shelby, concerning. In most cases, players from winning organizations require you to pay more to get them. Those from losing, and less exceptional, you can get cheaper. Glasgow, Joan James, Jeff Driscoll are examples. In the past three years, the only players I see to have panned out were Bryce Callahan and Kareem Jackson, and we lost so many great players. What is LA going to do to make this, uh, to change this and make this work? I know you aren't able to, uh, you aren't able to be as close to the players this year, but do you think that some of them accept this that the record and the culture is off yeah i certainly think that that they know that that uh it's not where it needs to be and you have to draft better in order to keep your own players and john's it seems like he's done that better over the last few years but you're, you're always going to find more success re-signing your own players uh than, than you are going out on the free agent market because good players just don't make free agency yep. yeah and, and what's interesting is with the investment in Garrett Bowles now, and uh, presumably you figure the chances are improved of getting Justin Simmons back at least at minimum on the uh, second consecutive franchise tag. I, I don't think free agency is really going to be a place where the Broncos are active this year. I think uh, maybe the biggest thing we see in free agency from this team this year, guys, is a hedge quarterback if the Broncos choose to use free agency to backstop Drew Locke. I don't know. I'm thinking of free agency. They may go uh, another high, high paid running back. I mean, if they do go with a um, contingency plan for Drew Locke, it'll be a big, big, big story. Yeah. Uh, but in, but in general, it has to be a yeah. legitimate quarterback. 
yeah. But in general, roster-wide, I think uh, the, the, the decision to get bowls done, the ability to get bowls done, means it may be a quieter march than we're used to. Yeah, I agree with that. Jason17, my boys, happy Friday. Instead of looking at the blueprint to win, I'd rather look at what we need to see from Drew this week. Realistically, I don't think we are winning this game, but I still think Drew can have a good game that gives us hope going forward. I, I would like to see Drew get 250 yards, two touchdowns, and ideally no picks. Anything less than that, uh, anything less that it would be a game where Locke will need to throw a lot, especially with Melvin, our feature back, who will account for these game turnovers. We will see Will Parks out there. Uh, or will we see Will Parks out there? No, he is not eligible this week. Can't wait until we get to see him out there again with Justin Simmons. I really hope we get to see Parks sign a multi-year deal. Here's an over-under for the week. Broncos run the ball on second and 10, six and a half times. I'm taking the over on this one, unfortunately. What do you guys think? Thanks for your coverage and can't wait till Sunday night. I'm going to uh, – that has to be under. Yeah, if, if they have – if they have enough opportunities on second and 10 to run it six and a half times, that means they're going for no gain an awful lot on first down. So, yeah. Yeah. How many first downs do you think you have in an average game? Great question. Especially when you don't move the ball very much. Well, you're, you're always going to have more first downs than anything else just because of the, the mathematics and uh, the structure of the down. So, I mean, I, don't, I guess you'd probably have about mm, 20? 25 first down plays in a typical game. Yeah. Yeah. If 10 of those go for zero yards, uh, allowing you to run the ball seven times on second oh. and 10, you, you lost like, the game if that happened. Oh, you lost. <laughs> you definitely you lost in convincing fashion. I'll take the under on that one. Yeah. but it might feel like a hundred if you know even if it's just like four yeah right yeah definitely uh nick cox hey there dnvr i don't have anything bronco related to add but it is dnvr fam related which in my opinion is currently more fun to be a part of than it is to be a broncos fan <laughs> it's hard to disagree with anyway it's the time of the year where spotify releases their review of the year and what each listener played the most top artist song albums i know no one should care about nick cox's yearly spotify review but I was pleasantly surprised to see that my second most played song of the year was Melded by Phantom Spring, a DNVR subscriber. If you haven't checked out their music, go do it today. I remember when you guys first played their song, Reimagined. It was the closing song on the podcast, and I fell in love right away. I can't remember which subscriber it was, but I hope he's listening and enjoys this shout-out. Mr. Phantom Spring, whenever you go on tour, if you come through Indianapolis, I'll be at your show. You can count on that. Thanks, guys, and I'm sorry for rambling, but I had to give my shout-out. And these two songs are staples of my daily workout routine. Love you, DNVR. Have a good weekend. What a freaking cool comment. I actually got goosebumps reading it. That's why we do stuff like that. That's why we try and show you, you know, uh, people who support us. Uh, and that reminds me, you know, we haven't done that in a while. But if you're, if you're in a band, even if it's if Phantom Spring or another one, and you want to uh, get some, more, some of your music out there to a wider audience, we are always happy. Uh, to share your music so uh, you know send it to us uh, via email or reach out to us via dm on any social media platform and we'll try to get you uh, get you you know uh, in the in the mix here so you can have new diehard fans like nick cox became a phantom spring man so cool might as well start calling it goosebump friday that is awesome awesome comment there love to hear it next one coming in from butch cassidy man i hate the chiefs hate them each one and their dumb faces.
but I've got to harness that hatred and use it for good. Visualize and attack. Visualize and attack. So as I'm setting up for my 58-yard field goal this week, I'm imagining that the ball is Travis Kelsey, and I'm kicking him into the sun when I say my kicks this week is simply somehow, some way, the Broncos will win this game. What say you? Thanks, guys, and have a killer weekend. My 58-yard field goal of the week is that Drew Locke connects on a deep ball. Um, <laughs> I'll say 50 yards or more on one pass from Drew Locke, um, and that's one thing that we can hang our hats on at the end of the day. Go for a touchdown? Uh, I don't want to put that uh, caveat, caveat on it. Fair, fair. Oh, man, I don't know where to go with this one. Mace, do you have an idea? Uh, I mean, I was going to go for the deep pass myself. Um, uh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's, not that, it's not that deep, Mace. Bronco, you know what? The Broncos focus on Tyreek Hill, and they hold him without a touchdown. There we go. Uh, that's uh, that's okay. only like a 43-yard field goal. I'm gonna they say all the, feel like 58-yarders this week, fellas. Yeah, they, they do. really do, especially this one. I'm going to say that the Broncos hold Tyreek Hill under 200 yards in the first quarter. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go with K.J. Hamler being the Broncos' leading receiver. We've seen kind of a drop-off from Jerry Judy. He's really banged up. Uh, and, and I think K.J. Hamler just continues to emerge as this season goes. So he's the Broncos' leading receiver. Jerry Judy is like following the Demarius Thomas arc perfectly. Always banged up, finding a way to get out there for his team, uh, making incredible plays, very great wide receiver play, and everyone's complaining about drops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. Next one here from Larry Den Jr., LDJ. Hey, guys, with five games left in the season, this is the first time in four years where I'm puzzled and have to ask myself, who are the Denver Broncos? What's our identity? Do we have leadership of the future if we let Justin Simmons walk? Can we get Vaughn to restructure his contract and retire a Bronco? Is Jarrell Casey and A.J. Boye on the team next year? Is Bryce Callahan? Is Cream Jackson or Shelby? Are we a defensive team or do we run it back? Are we a team with a bunch of weapons we don't know how to shoot? And, num and, and number one priority, uh, what – what have they done with Drew Locke, I think is what he's saying. I what, look the up hell, what the hell have they done with Drew Locke, I think is what he means. Okay. Um, I look up and down the roster, uh, healthy next year, and everyone is back. Only Drew is holding this team back. Bad organizations and decisions and poor coaching. I'm concerned Fangio is a great defensive mind, but as a head coach doesn't know how to take control of the team uh, to win. There's so much talent on this team. No ownership, no offensive identity, identity an aging defense, and still – a question mark at quarterback. So I don't know what uh, I don't know what this team is. Do you? Now I don't think anyone's known what this team is in the post Peyton Manning era at really any point. Yeah, and it's a fantastic point that you lay out, LDJ. Just how much can change this off season too. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Next one from Car Ramrod. My boys, I really hope Pat Shermer has the same kind of game plan that he used against the Dolphins this week. Please don't abandon the run when we're down by four points. He didn't do anything to help out Kendall Hinton on Sunday. There's a reason that only one pass was completed on Sunday. That was the only pass that wasn't too far downfield. Send Noah Fan on shallow crossing, crossing routes and let him run open after the catch. And when it's third and four, don't run routes that are only three yards down. I've noticed the short routes seem to always be too short on third down. 
please, Pat, help out your your quarterback, Kyle Shermer. I, I mean, Drew Locke. <laughs> oh God, that's like that's like one of my few things. If I can check that off the list, it goes towards me being happy at the end of the game. Give Drew Locke some rhythm throws early in the game. Start the game with a pop pass to uh, KJ Hamler, just so Drew Locke can be one of one and just feel like he's building on something. A, a tunnel screen to Jerry Judy, just anything to let this kid start out and feel himself a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of KJ Hamler, the, just as long as KJ doesn't drop it, because unfortunately he's got a, a drop rate that's a little bit of a concern there. But yeah, I agree with you. Just, just, some, just some short stuff. You always say it. Allow him to see that jump shot go in a couple of times. So simple, and yet Pat Trimmer couldn't even do it for Kendall Hinton. <laughs> yep. And final one here, I think, guys, coming in from Aristo Pratt. I think the Kyle Schirmer signing makes sense to avoid the potential of not having a quarterback for two weeks in a row. We had to sign Kyle when, when we did so that he could be available after the league's quarantining rules for a new player. This was all for the off chance that every one of our quarterbacks tested positive on Tuesday. Obviously, that didn't happen. So I assume Schirmer won't be here for long. We'll find out. What makes less less sense are the receiving targets, specifically the tight ends, in Chicago in our DNVR Madden League. I don't know who is managing the team, but they have Zach Ertz and Hunter Henry to go along with That's the promising Zach. rookie. It is me. I don't know if he's taking a, a shot at me or, uh, or what, <laughs> to go along with the promising rookie that clearly could use some playing time to develop Brevin, or Brevin Jordan. Henry and Jordan only have two receptions apiece after four games. Wasted talent. (laughs) This team prefers throwing to it to the wideouts anyway. But there is wasted talent there as well. Thielen, Devonta Smith, and Sterling Sharp are all involved. But then you have Curtis Samuel wasting away on the bench with only four receptions. This team drafted Smith and Brevin Jordan in the first and third round. Like they need more receivers? There's going to be drama here, and these players will be demanding trades in no time. Hey, whoa, whoa. I mean, we Zach, just need to defend your GM ship. We need a quarterback in town. You know, Matt Ryan is, is just failing. And uh, so when we get a quarterback here, we'll be able to use all 10 weapons. Um, Curtis Samuel, you're not getting him the rock. What's his speed? It's it's pretty good. Yeah, it, it's, it's been bad with him. I actually thought about that last, last night when I was playing. I might. I might uh... There might be someone reaching out to you from, <laughs> from my front office soon. So you guys heard it. I mean, these guys are these guys are going for high picks right now. Let's get some trades done. There you go. <laughs> he finishes. It says, Mace, I've been meaning to call you out on your 58-yard field goal in the Miami game. Wasn't it that Tua would throw his first interception to Simmons? He, his was called back while the Fitzpatrick interception stood. Sorry for giving you boys a hard time. It's all out of love. I'm still taking it. <laughs> uh, you know what? In today's day and age, we just gotta get we gotta give it to you. You know, I'm feeling yeah. very uh very generous with uh, what I'm allowing these days. Just well, everyone, everyone needs some wins in their life. And the other thing, I mean, that was a if we're talking if we specify on Tua, well, it was an absolutely horrific penalty call that nullified Justin's pick. Yeah. Man, I, I was. I'd say you were right twice. I was I was so ticked off when that happened. I mean, you're not supposed to cheer or boo in the press box, but I nearly threw something at the wind at the press box window when that flag was out. <laughs> uh, well, uh, hopefully, nothing like that happens this week to make you want to throw something uh, at the press box window, uh, except for the fact that you will be in outer space, and if you throw something, it'll just float anyway. 
Yeah, we'll just fly up, fly up, up and away. You know, and it won't make it down. It, and and it won't even land among the fans because it's going to be a socially distanced crowd. It'll land among a sea of uh, empty seats at Arrowhead. I think it'll be what what sixteen thousand people in there, but still. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but anyways, Mace, enjoy your trip to the International Space Station. Uh, <laughs> and for everyone else, enjoy your weekend. Before we get out of here, shout out again to MSU Denver Online. Check them out. Go to msudenver.edu slash online to see all they have to offer. 70-plus hybrid programs, 450 classes. There's so many different ways for you to experience MSU Denver. So check them out. Get in on it. msudenver.edu slash online today. Thanks to them for uh, presenting the show. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. We will talk to you after the game.